Well, good morning, everybody. It is uh, it's good to, to be with you all again this Sunday. And man, what a pleasure it is that we as the, the saints of Christ, we get to join together each Sunday and we get to worship Him and exalt God's name in song. And we also get to open up this book of treasure that we get to pass on as, as I hear that song to our families for, for the coming generations. We get to take what God has um, shown us in His Word, revealed to us in His Word, and we get to pass that on to our children and their children. So I'm excited that we get to uh, come in here this morning and uh, just glean from His Word and everything that um, He has to teach us. And so if you guys have your Bibles, um, you can go ahead and open up to Acts chapter 2. We're going to be in verses 42 through 47, just a short um, five uh, verses today. But uh, um, and I'm also going to be preaching um, from the, the CSB this morning. And so if you guys don't have that version on you, and you're, um, it's a little messed up in your head because you have a different version, it's okay. We're going to have a, um, the translation on the screen behind me. And we're, going, we're continuing to go through our um, influencer series. And today, I guess we're going to focus on how the gospel influenced the early church. How the gospel influenced the early church. Our, our church is, is 2,000 or so years old that Christ has risen from the grave and he has commanded us to go and to make disciples. Um, but the church that started at Pentecost, as we're going to see in a moment, that he had set his people on fire with the Holy Spirit to go and to live out what he had commanded um, at the end of Matthew's gospel. And so uh, today it's going to, again, the focus is on how the gospel has influenced the early church. And I don't just mean how the gospel has had a had an influence on the church or maybe has impacted some sort of the early church or the church today where we gather now, but that the gospel is the sole purpose for our existence today. The gospel is the sole purpose of why we meet. We are all people who have been transformed. We have been saved. We have been redeemed. We have been totally changed by the gospel. And without it, then we have no direction. The gospel is our centerpiece. And so um, as we're, we're going through this today, let's go ahead and keep that in mind. But before we get into any background or context, we need to go to the Lord in prayer so that he can prepare my heart and also all of, um, our hearts as well as we go to read from his word. So let's pray. God, I'm, a, I'm just thankful for um, just the transformation you have made in my heart and all of our hearts in this room today. God, uh, we, are, we are nothing without you, and we are just set to our own destruction in your wrath without Jesus intervening. So God, as we meet today and as we walk through your word, I pray that you would just push me back, God, and, and speak to us today. Speak to us and change our hearts. Encourage us in the things that we have seen you doing uh, so well in our church here at Origins and in our city and God, continue to encourage us to push forward with what you have called us to do and who you have called us to be. We love you, Jesus, and we praise you in your name. Amen. So, we're, we're in, again, we're in Acts, and this is kind of a, a continuation of Luke's gospel. All right? It's a continuation of Luke's gospel, and some may call him Dr. Luke. He was known to be a, a physician during the time that he lived, um, not only physically, but spiritually. He was someone, I'm sure, that had diagnosed illnesses and maybe healed some fractures, um, but he is also spiritually, he was a spiritual doctor during that time. Now, I'm sure you guys have all been to um, the doctor at one point in time in your life. I know I have been to the doctor a lot of different times, and um, whether it was with the flu or whether I busted up my knee, I've had multiple knee surgeries, and each time I've gone into the, uh, into the doctor's room, he has shown me kind of what a, a good knee is supposed to look like. 
what, what a solid knee is supposed to look like. He's like, right now, you can't do much. After I blew my knee out playing basketball one time, the simplest thing you can do. And uh, he's like, this is how your knee is bad. But I'm going to show you kind of what a good knee is supposed to look like. And this is where we want to get you back to. So he kind of diagnosed me and, and kind of set a picture or some marks for me to get back to what a, a healthy body and a, and a healthy knee were to look like. Now Luke's gospel across chapter 2 and on, he kind of shows and writes down how God has created a healthy church and how he continues to sustain the healthy church through his Holy Spirit. Luke, through this, you see that the, the marks of the early church, he shows us, man, this is what we are supposed to be doing. This is what the Holy Spirit has done. And not only was it for the church of that day, but we can see that it is for us today. That what we have seen, the healthy marks of the church back 2,000 years ago, it is the same for origins today. It's the same for our local churches in the area today. And I was, as I was preparing for this message, I tell you, I was uh, super encouraged because as I was walking through each verse, I was like, man, I feel like our church family does a lot of these things well. And so I hope this time today is, is a time of encouragement for you all as well. As, as we go through these, I hope that you can say, man, yeah, I feel like we are a part of what this early church is doing, and we can continue to do that. And so we're, we're starting off in, in verses 42 through 47. This is right after uh, Peter's most famous uh, sermon, right after Pentecost. And so Pentecost, or the, or the Feast of Weeks during that time, was a time where people and Jews from all different nations and tribes and tongues would come to Jerusalem, and they would celebrate. And it was like the day or after or so of Passover, and it would last about a month or a month and a half. So this is a long time for people who don't speak the same language to be together. And during this time, Jesus had promised his disciples, he says that I'm going to send you the Helper, so that you may go and be my witnesses in, in all over the world, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. But until I come, wait. And it was during this time that when all these people were gathered in Jerusalem, that Jesus, or the Holy, he sent the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit came busting through the windows like a rushing wind and settled upon his apostles and his followers like tongues of fire. And they all started to speak in the different languages and in, in, in the tongues of the people that had come to Jerusalem. And they were preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, that he came and he lived, he died, and he rose again. And in, in the words of the people out there, they're like, man, how are these Galileans speaking in our languages? They're, they're just simple Galileans. How are they speaking to us to a way that we can understand them? They must be drunk on fine wine and, or new wine. And Peter reassures them. He says, I, I assure you guys... We are not drunk. It is 9 o'clock in the morning. And so this is uh, literally a miracle that, that, um, that Jesus has sent his Holy Spirit, allowed the people to understand the apostles in their tongues and in the, in, the, in the languages that they were speaking. And 3,000 people that day were numbered to the family of God. 3,000 people were saved. That's a miracle. It's incredible. It's only something that God can do. And moving on here in verses 42 through 47, we're going to see what these people did. How these people lived life together. What this meant for them to be bought by the blood of Jesus and to carry on the Great Commission inside the family of God, which also extended outside of the family of God. So I'm going to go ahead and read uh, through this, and then we're going to go back and kind of pick it apart and, and identify a few things. So Luke states in 42, verse 42, he says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, or fear, 
and many wonders and many signs were being performed through the apostles. Now all the believers were together and held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all, as any had need. Now every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple and broke bread from house to house. And they ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor or the grace of all the people. Every day the Lord added to their number, to the church, those who were being saved. And so we see some very specific things, and we get to see how the gospel influenced this church and this movement of people, to where thousands of people were being saved. But not only were 3,000 people saved on Pentecost, but people were being added to their numbers day by day. So a few things that, that we want to pick out are, are, are a few points are first. When the gospel influenced the early church, and when you think about how the gospel influenced us today, we have to look at, well, what specifically and who specifically were these people devoted to? What were they devoted to and who were they devoted to? And as you're thinking of this, thinking of in our context of our church, are we aligned with the same things? I would say yes, and it's encouraging. He says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship or to the community, to the breaking of bread, to sharing meals, and to prayer. And everyone was filled with awe. Many wonders and many signs were being performed through the apostles. So I would say that the first thing that what and who these people were devoted to was first, they were devoted to God's word. They knew that they were saved, they were bought, they were redeemed by Jesus. But a lot of these people, I'm sure, maybe didn't even have a history of knowing Scripture too well because they didn't have the New Testament written during this time. It was in the process of being written over the course of years and years. But before that, they would go and they would study through the Old Testament texts. Or they would listen to the apostles teach through these texts. And so what were they devoted to? They were devoted to the apostles' teaching. They were devoted to God's Word. And they were devoted to one another. Because of their devotion and their commitment to their relationship with Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, it also allowed them to be devoted and committed to one another. They were devoted to the breaking of bread, to fellowship, and to community. This is something that naturally occurred with them. They didn't have to fight for it or work for it. They enjoyed meeting together, and it's going to repeat that again later in the passage. They enjoyed sharing meals together. They enjoyed the community of Christ with one another. And they also devoted themselves to prayer. We see countless of times through, through Acts and in different parts of the New Testament where Christians were, were imprisoned. And what did the saints do? They went and they prayed. They prayed together. Whenever somebody had a need, that they prayed together. They spent a lot of time in prayer following Jesus' footsteps, who we see a lot of times in the gospel spending his time in prayer. So what were they devoted to and who were they devoted to? They were devoted to God's word, one another, community and fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer. In verse 43, we note too, it says, and every soul was being filled in awe. Back in February, and uh, we, when we were going through 1 John, we had noticed that there's kind of a healthy fear and an unhealthy fear. Well, these people and the saints of Christ, they were filled with this healthy fear. They were filled in reverence and awe towards God. And this is something that not only one person, but every person with the Holy Spirit gets to join together in a reverence and a healthy fear towards God in commitment to his word, and in prayer, and to the breaking of bread, and their commitment to one another. That all showed their reverence, and their awe, and their fear towards God. And I can see that same thing here in our church today, as, as, we, as we take this time seriously, 
as we encounter God's word, and as we bring into our community groups, and as we love one another, as we serve one another, as we, we have meals together, as I almost break my back playing volleyball, we do all that in a healthy fear towards God. And so we know what they were devoted to and who they were devoted to. And in verse 44 through 46, we see, well, what does this devotion specifically look like? We, we kind of hit on it in that first chunk there. But what were some specific things that they did? How were they committed together? How were they committed and devoted to one another? In verse 44, he continues, he says, Now all the believers were together, and they held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property, and they distributed the proceeds to all, as any had need. And every day they devoted themselves. Again, there's that word. They devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple, and they broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts. And we'll get to the 47 here in a moment. And so what does this devotion specifically look like? Man, they were all in for the family of God. They were all in. Whatever needs that they had. Now, now I don't think this passage is saying that they were careless, that they just went and sold their houses and sold all their stuff, and they're just like, man, we're selling everything, and we're just living on nothing, and we don't know why. We're just doing it all. They had a purpose for it. They weren't careless with what they did. But what this passage is saying to us is that whenever a need arised in the church, they did not hesitate. They took care of it. There was not one fellow brother or sister in Christ that was left without. That They made sure that all were taken care of. And that makes me think of the countless meal trains that we see um, going through our weekly email of the people in need. Mothers and fathers have new babies, or maybe they're, they're, they're working through challenges and navigating things with, with their family, providing for them. There's never hesitation with wanting to love our church family well. So again, this is, should be something that is encouraging for us. Whenever a need arises in the city, man, I, I was telling Matthew back in February when we did our first Love the City event for, since I was here, um, I've never had so many people that drop up a hat just be like, yeah, we're all in, let's go, let's do this thing. It was, it was effortless. Whenever needs arise, the family of God is hands-on, ready to love one another and love the city. They were, this, they were of the same mind and the same spirit and the same body. In verse 44, when it says, Now all the believers were together and they held all things in common. I don't think that might necessarily mean sports teams or foods or whatever it may be. I think... What this is saying is they were unified in the gospel. They held all things together in the gospel. You know, I'm sure I'm probably the only Michigan fan in this room. We probably don't hold that in common. But what I know from this passage is that through this text, through the gospel that has changed me, that has transformed me, that has saved me from my sin and God's wrath, I get to live in relationship with Jesus we all have that. Those of us who have called upon the name of the Lord, we have that. We hold all things in common because that is what is most important. We are the same body, the same spirit, the same mind. We are unified in the gospel. And what's beautiful about the way that these brothers and sisters exemplified and how I have seen our church continue to live this out with loving one another effortlessly, without question the drop of a hat being there, living out our devotion and our commitment to God for one another, it's really a picture of what heaven is going to be like. We know that heaven is in the process of meeting earth. It's not fully here yet. Jesus' kingdom is coming. It's not fully here. But we get to see glimpses of it. 
So when we break bread, when we have first Sunday breakfast, and we're sharing meals in community group, and we're committing and devoting ourselves to God's Word with one another, when we're serving the needs of one another, and we're expressing our love deeply with one another, that is heaven meeting earth. Because for eternity, as we are worshiping, and as we are exalting, as we are praising God, we will continue to do these same things. Except it is going to be even better because we are going to be sinless. And we'll have new resurrected bodies, a new mind, a new heart in Christ forever and eternity. And so when we're a part of these things as a church, even in the small things of sharing a meal, maybe eating too, ma- too many bear, bear claws on first Sunday breakfast or cinnamon rolls, and we're enjoying those times together, know that this is a time of community. And when we meet together for God's word and when we meet together throughout the week in community groups or when we're serving, we are being part of what we are going to be a part of for eternity. And that is something that we get to adore and we get to surrender to consistently. So we knew what and who they were devoted to. We knew what specifically this looked like inside of the local church. And this isn't just happening in one church. This is happening all over. We still We finish here in verse 47, where we see what this looks like even outside of the family of God. Because we know that God's purpose for us is not just to transform us, redeem us, and save us for for nothing to just leave us here, to turn our backs to the world, but He has saved us as a family of God so that we may welcome other people into the family of God. And the biggest way that we can welcome them into the family of God, the biggest way that we can even evangelize to other people is by the way that we love one another. By the way that we love one another. And so in verse 47, he finishes off here for this chapter. He says, they, And they ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, and praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. This is very evangelistic. Because people can't come to a saving faith in Jesus without hearing the word of God without seeing the gospel. So what were these people, these saints, doing in the early church? They were loving one another carelessly, I mean effortlessly. They were loving each other with a lot of care, not carelessly. That would be awful. That's not a picture of the church. They were loving each other so well and so deeply, and they were so devoted to God's word and to one another that it was attractive to the people around them. It was attractive to the people who were lost. They wanted to be a part of this, especially during a time to where there was heavy persecution even on the church. They wanted to be a part of this. People were lost and they were found. This is the biggest picture for their evangelism is the way that they loved one another. And God added to their number day by day. He was in the process of saving people. God added to their number. People were being saved left and right. As these individuals were, were meeting in groups in their homes, in the synagogues, throughout their city, throughout their neighborhoods. And again, I, I see opportunities for us. Who do we see at work? Who do we see in our neighborhoods? Who do we even see in our own household who is close to us and far from Jesus? That we can simply show them the gospel by the way we continue to love our brothers and sisters in this room well. And the way that we invite those who are close to us and far from Jesus into that picture as well, to show them what true love in Christ looks like. And it's amazing that all these saints, including us, from, from past, present, and future, 
We have all been stamped with the Holy Spirit. And one day we will all get to stand before Jesus as the day of judgment, as the day the Lord comes, and we get to call upon the name of the Lord for our salvation. And we get to see how Christ loved his church to the point to where he died for it, where he died for us. And we get to see that continuation of the work of the Holy Spirit in the early church, in a modern time today, and even in the future. We get to stand before Jesus one day, and we get to see all that he has accomplished in us and through us. So I, I want to leave us with a quote. It's, it's, it's kind of long, and I, I promise I won't drag it out. But um, it was just, it, it's too good to not share. And I think this just, I didn't even print it out, but I have it on my phone. I took a screenshot of it. But man, this, this just shows what the early church looked like. So this was written in, in 135 A.D. My guy, and I'm probably going to butcher his name, Aristides, Aristides, and he's writing to the emperor of that time of how Christianity and why Christianity is spreading like a wildfire. Now again, this is during a time to where it, it's not going to be popular to be a Christian. That there is heavy persecution on the church. And there's even emperors that are trying to stop the spread of Christianity. And this is what this guy writes to the emperor. To the emperor. He says, for the reason why this faith is spreading, he says, if one or other of them have bondmen and bondwomen or children, through love towards them, they persuade them to become Christians. And when they have done so, they call them brethren without distinction. They do not worship strange gods, and they, and they go their way in all modesty and cheerfulness. Falsehood is not found among them, and they love one another. And from widows, they do not turn away their esteem. And they deliver the orphan from him who treats him harshly. And he who has gives to him who has not, without boasting. And when they see a stranger, they take him into their homes and rejoice over him as a very brother. For they do not call them brethren after the flesh, but brethren after the Spirit and in God. And whenever one of their poor passes from the world... Each one of them, according to his ability, gives heed to him and carefully sees to his burial. And if they hear that one of their number is imprisoned or afflicted on account of the name of their Messiah, all of them anxiously minister to his necessity. And if it is possible to redeem him, then they set him free. And if there is among them any that is poor and needy, and if they have no spare food, they fast for two or three days in order to supply the needy their lack of food. This is the commitment and the devotion that we see in the early church. And again, this should be something encouraging that we see in our church. As we, as we see one another, we love one another, and we are committed to one another, that it doesn't matter what the need is, that we are there for each other physically and spiritually, taking care of physical needs and spiritual needs. And not only that, but we allow that to bleed out into our communities as we love our city well. So church, I just, I encourage us to continue to, to live this out. Continue to, to, to love one another well. To live in community with genuineness and joyfulness and cheerfulness. So that others may see our life and our family. And they're like, man, I want to be a part of that. Let's pray. God, we love you. Um, we just praise you for your word. Um, your, your word says it all. I don't have to add anything to it, God. So I, I just ask that you would 
you would help me live this out this week. Help me love my brothers and sisters well. Help me love them, God, and um, draw me to deeper depths and, and, and to worship with you as we do so. God, I pray that we would continue to live that out as a church so that not only uh, we would experience the love that you have for us through one another, but God, that the world would see us, that they would turn from their sin, and that they would trust and follow you. It's in your name I pray. Amen.